why don't you praise him like he's in control? Come on, why don't you shout like he's in control? Come on, somebody, God is in control in this place. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not stressing anymore. I'm placing it in his hands. That should be your motto for 2021. God is in control. When sickness comes my way, God is in control. When financial struggle comes my way, God is in control. Thank you, Jesus. As we're making our way back to your seats, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. And I am expecting God to do great things in this house. I'm looking forward to the word of God going forth. But before we do that, I just wanted to say on behalf of Bishop Williams, welcome to the Rock Church of Fort Myers, Florida. Rock Church, why don't we give them a great big hand clap. We are so excited and thankful that you joined us today. We pray that you feel right at home. And with that, we want to invite you to not go very far. Most of you probably saw the tents if you came in through the doors. There's tents set up, chairs. We got uh, grills firing up. Stay afterwards. Let's have some fellowship. We'd love to meet you and connect. Uh, food is on us. Lunch is on us. Who doesn't like free food? Amen. Amen. Um, we are so excited to have with us all the way from the other coast. Amen. Pastor Kevin Archer, who is no stranger to this house from Cooper City, Florida, Landmark Apostolic Church. Pastor Kevin Archer, we want you to just come and give, give to us what the Lord gave to you. Come on and preach the word. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? The writer said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, clap your hands and shout, yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. My, my, my. I've already enjoyed the presence of the Lord today. So thankful for revival. Anybody glad for revival? It's good to see familiar faces, but it's good to see new faces. Amen. I'm so thankful for what's happening. Appreciate the good music. They get better every time I hear them. Thank God for the commitment that I see evidenced here. Love this good church family. Enjoyed the worship today. If I lived in this area, this would definitely be where I'd bring my family to church. Amen. If you don't yet have a place that preaches the truth, that loves people, I highly recommend that you make this your home. This church is exciting, it's on fire, it's reaching its world, making a difference outside of this community. Everything you would want in a church is right here. Thanks to the leadership of Pastor and Sister Williams. Amen. The writer of Ephesians in the fifth chapter said that God gave gifts unto men. And one of those gifts was the uh, ministry, 
and God gave you a special gift when he sent Pastor Williams here and not only sent him here but put his hand of blessing and approval uh, every step of the journey has been evidence that God has been in this and you are loved by God and you can tell how much God loves the people by the, the leadership that he sends to them it's an honor to stand here today in his absence but he is worthy of double honor and I, I want to make sure that I do that and Sister Williams so good to see her and uh, Brother Isaac and Brother Judah, two of my favorite human beings in all of this world. What a blessed church this is. What a blessed church this is. Amen. Not only that, but there are so many others that are serving in the capacity of leadership in some way, shape, or form here. And it's good to see all of that operating like it is in the absence of the man of God. I just want to be a part today in this family and friends day. Uh, we have services beginning at 1 o'clock in Fort Lauderdale. So if I can preach what God put on my heart and slip out the door, I might could get there in time to preach. And, uh, I don't want to sit around and rest away. I want to burn out for God. Amen. I didn't come to mess around or play around or goof around today. I came to preach. And I believe somebody in this room is hungry. Not just for the food that's going to be served afterwards. Uh, thank God for free food. <laughs> uh, but that manna from heaven that will meet every situation in the room all at the same time, though they be various in nature. God's got exactly what you have need of today. You don't have to leave without getting what you need from heaven. Amen. Amen. I don't want to neglect any of the uh, formalities here. I think I've covered every base. Sister Williams, have I covered it all? Okay. Sister Archer's not here to tell me if I missed anything, so I trust Sister Williams to cover that. Thank God for preacher's wives. Amen. I want you, if you would, please to turn in your Bible to the gospel according to St. John. I really don't have much new to preach. I was looking back the times I've preached here, clear back into the uh, American Legion Hall, I think it was, uh, some things that was preached there. I told Brother Williams on the phone, I said, I need to go back and hear some of that again, see what I said. But I feel something on my heart. pastor asked me if I would agree to come. And the Lord started dealing with me on a thought. This young man that just received the offering, I asked him if he had slipped into my Bible and looked at my notes. Little punk. Preach my message right like that. In five minutes, I don't even know why I'm here. He had the message. And then this young lady that sang, she stood second. Who is that? Where is she at? Girl. I probably ought to have her sign my notes before she gets discovered. I heard her sing. I knew her. What a touch. Keep doing that, girl. Hallelujah. 
If no one's told you lately, you're awesome. The touch of God on your life is significant. You're special. Oh, yeah. Keep doing what you're doing and wait and see what God has in store for you. Oh, yeah. John chapter 6, if you would please turn in there with me, beginning verse number 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. God is in control. He knows what he's going to do already. He's just waiting to see what you're going to do. He already knew what he would do. Philip answered him, stated the obvious, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the men sit down. I'm going to tell you, if you want to get something from God, you've got to be able to take orders. You're going to serve somebody. It might as well be Jesus. He said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, those not sufficient loaves, those cheap day-old barley Loaves that were left over didn't cost as much as the rest. Five barley loaves, Jesus took them. And when he had given thanks, there's a significant lesson right there. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Only them that were set down got served. And likewise, of the fish as much as they would. Two small fishes were served to the 5,000 men and they ate as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, somebody say filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Let the church say amen. I have a thought that I want to share with you that I see and some things that I don't see here that are significant to the message today. I want to preach to you, if God will be my help and you will help me, from a zero to a hero. You're going to help me? Why don't you clap your hands and give God some praise right now as you're seated in Jesus' name. From a zero to a hero. 
Oh, yes. You can be seated in Jesus' name. If you're going to help me, if you're not, please remain standing. Oh, yes. Just a very few remaining standing today. Very little opposition and all kinds of support. When we started reading our text today, I noticed something that is common uh, to the character of Christ is that when Jesus looked, he sees needs. God is a compassionate God. He's a compassionate Christ, an anointed one. We have an high priest, the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews says, which, which, which cannot be, uh, can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was at all points tempted like as we are, uh, yet without sin. And then we have one that can be moved with the feelings of our infirmities. So the writer said, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. If you need mercy, it's here at the house of God, at the throne of grace. And may uh, receive help in time of need. There is something about Jesus. He is moved with compassion when he sees the multitude in need. You see it throughout the Gospels as recorded uh, in what we call the New Testament. When Jesus came to a multitude, he oft times, as Scripture tells us, was moved with compassion. He cared. I'm glad to serve a God that cares, a God that supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory. I'm glad that his storehouse is not running low, but it's overflowing that God can take anything and make it enough to meet and surpass the need. I said to meet and surpass the need. Oftentimes when we face dilemmas, we pray like Paul prayed in Corinthians to let this thing be taken from me. And God's answer is my grace will be enough for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So therefore will I more gladly glory in my infirmities. I may not be out of my infirmity, but I still have my praise. I still have my thanksgiving. I still have my appreciation. I still know where all of my supply comes from. And I have learned that not everything brings pleasure, but I've learned how to take pleasure in them. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't believe the scriptures say that we should... Would, 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 should thank God for our struggle or our infirmities, but I do see Scripture encouraging and admonishing us to praise him in them. Jesus said, come unto me, Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Anybody going to preach with me today? said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Paul said to Timothy, I have learned that whatever state that I am in, therewith to be content. Can I tell you, Jesus is wanting to teach you something, and that is my grace is enough to supply all of your needs and surpass them. The fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians tells us all things are for your sakes. We live in a society where we, where we uh, see the mentality of victim so often that people make a living being a professional victim. 
people become the center and the focus of other people's attentions by uh, maximizing on their victimization. Oh, hallelujah. That does happen, but God doesn't want you to remain that way. There was one place in Scripture where Jesus was moved with compassion on them and he would not send them away hungry because they had tarried with him three days. They, they loved the words of Jesus more than their necessary food. When you are hungry for Jesus more than you're hungry for anything else, you move his heart. Somebody came in this room today hungry, and Jesus is looking out at the multitude saying, I got what you need. What are you going to do? What, what are you going to do? In our text, he said to uh, Philip, after Philip said, well, we need to buy some bread that we can feed these so they can eat. And the scripture said that he said to them to prove him because he already knew what he would do. Oftentimes we delay doing what we know we should do because we say we're waiting on God. That is only a cop out. Today God's already got the supply in this room. It may be from somebody you don't even suspect. They've got what it takes to meet the need of the multitude today. But Jesus is wondering, whence can we go buy bread that these can be fed? And God's just testing you to see what you're going to do with what you have. Can I tell you how insignificant it may seem to you? It's not to God. Because if you've got it and you're willing to give it, God can touch it. And if he can touch it, he can bless it. And if he can bless it, he can multiply it. And if he can multiply it, he can trust you and give it back to you to distribute. How many know God's blessing you so you can be a blessing? Anybody want to be a blessing today? Significant point. Jesus took the bread that they already uh, deemed not enough. That they already deemed insufficient. That they already said this is not sufficient that everybody could even take a little. But God took what everybody couldn't get and have enough and blessed it and multiplied it so everybody did get and had more than enough. How many knows God is more than enough? He will supply all of your need. He's a Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Why do we worry about the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, when by our faith we know if we're thankful for what God gives? Bible said that when they gave Jesus these five loaves and two small fish that he needed some structure. If you go back to the book of beginnings you see how God chooses to work the world the world the earth the universe was without form and it was void and there was darkness on the face of the deep before God ever said let there be he started separating light from dark the firmaments of the air and the firmaments of the land he drew some dividing lines and put things in order. How many knows God works where there is order? There's order around here. That's why God's creating some things. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to get to where I'm going today. Just ride with me a little bit. 
I, I think it's significant when Jesus took the loaves and fishes that the first thing he did was give thanks for them. I remember a time when I did not have sufficient that I was evangelizing and everybody else had big trucks and trailers and had wives, fancy suits. They teased me everywhere I went and said, pray for Brother Archer's wife, she's lost. My car, my mother had run into with a van and it looked like it had been run over. It was missing a side view mirror. The door was caved in. I took a crowbar and popped it open so I could get in and out of it. I was a little embarrassed by it, but it was paid for. Somebody needs to appreciate what's paid for. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, so I can't really see what your face is doing right now. But I, I got a little discouraged when I met with some other evangelists and they had big brand new dually trucks and beautiful wives and, and big camper trailers and, and busy schedules. Here I was in the swamp of Louisiana, didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me. Preaching, preached all my messages in the first five days of revival. I preached everything I knew and made up some stuff. Dad called me and said, how you doing? I said, well, I'm out of stuff. He, I said, I preached 20 minutes, and the next 10 minutes I made it up. He started laughing. I said, Dad, the pastor's wife asked me to park my car behind the church so nobody would see it. I said, it just doesn't seem fair. I'm in God's will being obedient. Why did I? My dad said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, did you pay for that car? Is it, do you have a note on it? I said, no, sir. He says, it run good. I said, yes, sir. He said, how do you expect God to give you more when you're not even thankful for what he's already provided? You're never going to get any further in life if you can't stop and give thanks over what seems to not be enough. Just give it to Jesus with thanksgiving and watch him do what you can't do. trying to be an evangelist but I'm telling somebody in this room you need to take a little Selah moment and thank God for the five cheap loaves of bread and the two tiny fish instead of being stingy and hoarding it give it to Jesus and watch what he can do with it how many how many felt a little awkward this year at some of the things that were said and done in our society. I got a little uncomfortable. We uh, had uh, the police sitting out in front of the church and uh, parked right up in front of the front door because we cared so little about people we dared to have church. I mean, we're, we're maniacs. If the doors are open, people are being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. What a bunch of haters. Marriage is getting put back together. <laughs> People that have been living in sin together, getting married and repenting of their sin. Oh, yeah, just a lot of hate going on. And we dealt with that, and that's all fine and good. And, and uh, then all of a sudden, they wanted to classify the whole world in two categories. Essential 
and non-essential. I want to stop right here. Regardless of your politics, everybody in this room is essential. From the eldest to the youngest, to the most inexperienced to the most experienced, you have a place in the kingdom of God. Don't let nobody talk you out of it. Don't let anyone talk you down. Don't let anybody make you feel like you're worthless. You're not. You're essential. God's got a plan for you today. You don't even need to wait till you're good enough. You don't need to wait till you're experienced enough. You don't need to wait till you achieve enough. What you need to do is come to a place of thanksgiving and give it to Jesus, whatever it is. All of a sudden, thank God our governor deemed church as essential. Because I was looking at Acts chapter 16 thinking about Paul and Silas's jail ministry. Because I made up my mind we're still going to have church. That's what we're doing today. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is. But even so much, am I in an apostolic church? Even so much the more as you see the day approaching. If Jesus ain't coming soon, the Bible isn't right. You know what I'm excited about? The signs of his coming are imminent. We can get overwhelmed and we can get discouraged and we can be taken up with despair. But I'm looking up. When you see these things begin to come to pass, Luke chapter 21, lift up your heads. I'm going to tell you, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Somebody rear back and just make a joyful noise. Ah! Oh, Jesus told us. Jesus told us it was going to be like this. He said men would be looking after the things that are coming on the earth and their hearts would be failing them for fear. There is rampant fear in our world. People are scared to shake hands. I'm just preaching to where we're at right now. I'm looking at the multitude. You can preach what you want to, but I'm looking around and seeing people scared to go to church. They're not scared to go to Publix. Not scared to, oh yeah, social distance from church, but nothing else. I'm going to tell you something I learned. Jesus can protect us no matter what comes along. Get your eye on Jesus. God is in control. I said God is in control. Essential. Non-essential. That's pretty dress. My wife's got that dress. So you thought I'm too spiritual. I forgot where I was. I know where I'm at right now. There's nothing worse than feeling insignificant. Hate and abuse feels better than being treated like they don't care. I'd rather you hate me 
then treat me like I don't matter. Can I tell you that's how the world feels? And that's why God sent the Rock Church to this community. It's telling people, I see you. The world may count you as unessential, but you're needed at the Rock. Oh, yeah. You're needed. You're not, a, you're not a visitor. Visitors show up whether you want them or not. But guests are wanted. You're a guest here. You are expected. I'm looking at you in a way you don't even know I'm looking at you. I don't see you where you're at, but I'm seeing what God can do with you if, you'll just, if you just give him a chance. How do you do that? Let Jesus put some order in your life and tell you, hey, take a seat. Come in, grab a seat. And oh, I don't believe the Bible uses any words unnecessarily. It said there was much grass where they sat. Now, I'm not talking about weed. They weren't having high church that way. But God had a comfortable place for them, a suitable place for them. God won't pull up some rocks to have you sit down and feed you. He'll place you in a place where you can sit and eat a while until you're done eating. And when you get done eating, you're going to get up and start gathering the overflow. God takes insufficient to more than enough, and thankful people won't let it go to waste. There isn't any more ungrateful act that you can do than, than to let what is more than enough go to waste. I don't know if this makes sense, but we have an icebox. Some of y'all call it an icebox. Refrigerators. Uh, fridge. The most visited place in the house. And when we eat and there's stuff that didn't get eaten, we don't throw that away. Uh-uh. That's ungrateful. I said that's ungrateful. Come on. To take a car that maybe ain't like somebody else's and complain about it. God gave it to you. Take care of it. There's too much waste in our world today. There's too much need in our world today to let God's blessings and God's overflow not supply somebody's need somewhere in the journey. But uh, to tell me I'm not essential hurts my feelings. And I think it does everybody. And I noticed something in Scripture, or the way things was tabulated in this day, that uh, in John 6, there was 5,000. Does anybody know the 5,000, what they were? It said they counted the men. No ta tally on how many women were there. They didn't count the children. But Simon... Uh, let's see. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he said, uh, Master, there's one of these uncounted ones over here. He's a lad. He wasn't in the 5,000 count. But he was there. He got overlooked by the disciples, except for Simon's brother Andrew. He said, we don't have enough money to buy bread, but there's a little zero over here. He's got five cheap barley loaves, and it ain't much, but he's got two small fish. How many is glad for small fish? I got to looking at that and I thought, hmm, that's something. I got to looking further in the Gospels and I see Matthew's recording of this in the 14th chapter of Matthew that he said in verse 21 that they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Are, Are you with me? Mark said in Mark 6 and 44, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Hmm. Luke 9 and 14 said, for they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in 50s in a company. So each one of the renderings of this story tells me nothing about how many women and children there were. But it stands to reason there could have been at least 5,000 women there. And we don't know how many children were there. Because when men and women get together, they multiply like God intended. So there was a lot of children there. I'm just being safe in saying. Is that okay? All I know is, is that the essential ones were set in company. And the unessential ones deemed by society as not worthy of a number were all there anyway. Can I tell you whether somebody makes you feel necessary or not, come to Jesus. Because you're going to find out more often than not, Jesus is going to pick the zero. That's what he did with me. Has he done it with you? I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad, but he took my sins away. He gave me a song to sing that the angels cannot sing. Glory, hallelujah, I have been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Count means to determine the number of to take into record and to make an account of. And to count literally means to be significant. A zero has no quantity, has no number. Uh, Webster says not. Somebody say not. The lowest possible level or amount. As a matter of fact, the literal definition of zero is nothing at all. A worthless, contemptibly undistinguished person, zero. Can I tell you, if you aspire to be a zero, don't love. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I am zero. Nothing. Can I tell you, you know how to be significant in the kingdom of God? Care about somebody besides yourself. Be like Joseph. Have your dream, but your dream will never be realized till you involve yourselves in the dreams of others. Making the dreams of others come to pass opens up a world that you could never imagine. The disciples counted they were worth something. Hero in that day was a lad that I don't even know his name. I don't know what tribe he came from. I know he must have had a mother because he was carrying a lunch. Thank God for mama. Jerusalem above is free. He's the mother of us all. Thank God for the church. Always look out for your mother. Jesus was dying on the cross. He looked down at John, and one of the things he said was, John, behold your mother. Mother, your son. You always take care of mother. Y'all didn't get that, did you? Jesus is your father. The rock is your mama. Who's your mama? Well, well, well. I'm almost done preaching. Can you stand a 30-minute sermon? Would that be all right? Oh, you, you want 40. Okay, that's fine. I'll oblige. Go, go to the second, uh, second book of Kings, chapter 4. Uh, there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. She was crying unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Can I ask you a question? God wants you to come to his uh, uh, house and tell him what you need. Bring specific words. If you need a job, ask God for a job. If you need a healing, Specify what needs healed. If your children need salvation or if your spouse is unsaved or you don't have a spouse and you want one, ask God, spell it out what you're looking for. Huh? He's not intimidated by your request. Jesus is still looking at you wondering what you're going to do. He already knows what he's going to do. God doesn't always let us in on his plans right away, but if you keep trusting him, if you keep obeying him, if you keep coming to him, he'll blow your mind with what he's got in store. He knows the thoughts that he's thinking towards you, not, not of bad, not of evil, but an expected end. You're right here in this trial, but God is that way in infinity. God is this way in infinity. This is the end of your trial. And God is waiting for you to get to the end of your trial. He's already got the answer. You just need to keep on walking. You need to keep on trusting. You need to keep on thinking. The prophet looked at her and he said, what would you have for me to do? She must have spelled that out because his second question was, is tell me what hast thou in the house? She answered him, this next word is significant. 
because she said, thine handmaid had not anything. What's that the definition of? Zero. What she said was not even significant enough to count was exactly what the prophet needed. All she had to do was bring it. I'm looking at you today telling you in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, bring it. You may not think it's enough, bring it. And if you'll bring it, God will bless it. And God will multiply it. And when you get done, the pot of oil will be full and the oil will stay. The Bible said she went to her neighbors and borrowed empty vessels. I, I tell the rock something, as long as you can get these seats full of empty vessels, there is enough power in this room. There's places across the country where they're shutting off the, the electric power to the church in an effort to keep them from having church. Can I tell you, you can't shut the church down. Because we've got the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't need electricity to tap into the powers of eternity. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Some of them are shutting the water down, but I'm telling you, we still got Jesus' name baptism. And God's able to make water in a wilderness for an Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. He'll make a way for the rock right here in South Florida. All we got to do is come to him with our need and give him what little we got. Give him what you got. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want there to be a response to this message today. I didn't drive all the way over here for nothing. I drove over here for a zero that God's been watching. He's going to make a hero out of. <laughs> the age of 14 years old, I was in a youth service. Conviction fell on me so very strong. So strong that I didn't really know what was going on. It scared me. When the power of God rests on you in a way you never felt before, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. And I, I, I knew something was going on. I felt a need. I felt a burden. I felt a passion that I'd never felt before. And I was afraid that God was calling me to preach. And the reason why I feared that is because I knew I couldn't. And after 28 years of doing it, boy, was I right. After hearing this half-hour sermon, you can agree and say amen. <laughs> but I remember with tears running down my face, the preacher, that preacher today came back and said, Hey, son, what's the matter? I said, I think God's calling me to preach. And he said, yeah, that's been on you a while, son. He said, what's the problem? But I can't. I said, yep, that's right. That's why God picked you. I didn't get any sympathy. I told him he was a zero and said, yep, that's why God picked you. God isn't looking for somebody that wants the credit. God's not looking for somebody with a spirit that says, look me, 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 me. God's looking for somebody that the world ain't even counting. Hey, somebody said they'll never amount to anything. Can I tell you, that's exactly the young man and the young lady and the young person and the hungry soul that God is looking at today. Even if your mama said you're nothing, even if your dad said you'll never amount to anything, 
even if your dad ran off and left you and don't even care about you and your mama don't want to raise you, God's got something for you to do. When your circumstances are telling me you're not anything at all, God's got a prophet that said, bring that here. Just bring it. Come on, young lady, just bring it. That's what you're doing right now. Bring what you got and watch what God will do. Somebody brought broken dreams, crushed aspirations. You brought abuse and dysfunction. You brought a drug habit. You brought bondage to alcohol and immorality. All the things that would keep you from doing anything for God. That's what you came to the house of God with today. But I'm going to tell you that's who God's decided. That I'm going to reach out and touch them. And when I touch them, I'm going to bless them. Not only am I going to touch them and bless them, but I'll tell the whole world how thankful I am that they're in the palm of my hand. Can I tell you, you're loved, you're needed, you count. Even when you struggle, even when you feel like you can't make it, even when society put everything on pause and telling us to hide from the world, if you'll just tap into the power of the Holy Ghost, if you'll step out in the water, wade a little deeper, God's got water for you to swim in. God's got a flow from the fountain of Calvary that'll sweep you to a place you never dreamed possible. disciples were at a place they were fighting for their lives they departed from the presence of the council the world was looking at them with judgmental eyes and critical eyes kind of like our world's looking at the church today huh keep the casino open keep the uh, abortion clinic open but it's not safe to go to the house of prayer I'm going to give somebody hope. Solomon was dedicating the temple. He said, God, if they can't get here, just let them turn this direction and start praying. I'm going to tell you, if it's to the place where you can't even get to the house of God, turn your hearts toward home and go to talking to Jesus. He can work it out. The Bible said they left the presence of the council. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy. To suffer shame for his name. Hey, we may be getting persecuted. We may get persecuted, but th thank God we at least count. I said, at least we count. They wouldn't be trying to stop us if we didn't matter. It don't matter how many abortion clinics, how many casinos... If there's a church in that town, there's more power to save than there is power to destroy. If there's a breathing air child of God with the Holy Ghost and fire, you are enough to start a revival fire. Let's come and bring it to Jesus. Come and stretch your hands toward heaven. Come and give God what little you do have. Watch him do something with it. All you got to do is believe it. Come to this house. There'll be people waiting to pray with you. If you need to repent of your sins, 
Go ahead and put them on an altar. Let somebody pray with you. There's somebody who'll put you down in the water. In Jesus' name, the baptism of the Holy Ghost will fall. It's a promise for you. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on down to the altar. Let's reach out toward heaven and watch God do what no man 